0: Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. And I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we
1: navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. This week, we catch up on what happened last week what the goals that we had set out for ourselves, how much we achieved, and in relation to that, how much contentment or discontentment we find in the things that we're able to do on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. And then in addition, there's some updates about Clever. Hope you enjoy the episode.
0: Good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to this. Ladies and germs. Ladies and germs. Stealing this from Tim Ferriss. This is episode 54 of Struggles. My name is James Park. Got Sean Lee with me. Say hey, Sean.
1: Hello. <laughs> I'm in a good mood because I just turned 38.
0: Yeah. And also a good mood because just generally in a good mood. Generally, yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. Lately, I don't know if it's a season. It's been raining a lot. I don't know what it is or, or just the books I've been reading. I've finally kicked in.
0: <laughs> you know, like, yeah.
1: But overall, uh... I've been thinking about my struggles lately and and they have been less so with definitely family and health, still struggling with business, you know, work stuff, but at least on the family side, I've been feeling a lot more content and happy. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: It's really good to hear. And actually that's kind of what we want to talk about this week.
1: Yeah. But before we start, check in, we had left off two weeks ago, setting out some I guess, goals for routines that we wanted to or things that we wanted to tackle. For me, it was to tackle some tax work. (laughs) Exciting. (laughs) Yeah, exhilarating. And I literally, to file the 1099s, I waited, James would know this, I waited until the last freaking day, (laughs) literally the the 11th hour. I I think they were due on January 31st at 5 p.m. Pacific time, and I submitted them at like 3.40. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's still on time. I got them in. Doing taxes, by the way, for anyone listening, I'm sure you know this. It's like, for me at least, it feels like making a a mountain out of a molehill. Because once I actually start doing it, historically, it's pretty fast. I'll get it done within a day. But to even get started, it it just like, oh my God, feels like forever. But then I I get started on the 1099, which is like the most required thing. Mm -hmm. And it starts, gets the ball rolling. And that's kind of what I remember I was saying a couple episodes ago about Tim Ferriss recommending like how to prioritize, like look at the one thing that's going to get the ball rolling. Just work on
0: that. Mm -hmm. I sometimes take that advice. Yeah, maybe it feels like a mountain though because as Americans, so people who are listening overseas, I believe that most governments, except for United States and maybe other places, you actually don't have to file your taxes. Like the government already knows and then they send you a yearly kind of review of what they believe you owe and then you agree with it and they either pay you or you owe, right? But in the United States, we have to file our own taxes every year. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's not like that all around the world. I hear in Japan, you get an email or a letter from the government saying, hey, this is how much you made last year. This is how much you're getting back or this is how much you owe. And so it's only the United States because all the Tax companies—they apparently lobby to. It's an entire business, right? To file your taxes, you have to use TurboTax or HR Tax or HR Block or whatever all those tax programs are, and you have to pay for it, right? But in reality, the government already knows how much you're making, and right? because the, because businesses have to report it on their own. I'm not sure if it's most countries, but the countries that tell you how much you're getting back or how much you owe the only reason if you want to work on your own taxes is if you feel that that number is incorrect from the government. Mm. So it's another fun fact. And maybe that's why for us as Americans, it feels like tax season is always just such a mountain to climb because it is only once a year and it feels painful every single time. (sighs) And then you might be wondering, why do I have to do this? but you're actually right. You shouldn't have to, but we have to because of lobbyists who want these programs and companies to still make money. I didn't know that. Huh. I wouldn't doubt it though. Archaic job preservation. But you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, once you start, especially if you're just working one to two jobs, if you don't have that, like a business of your own or, or you're not trying to write off expenses, doing your taxes is actually not that bad. Especially if you do pay the $50 or a hundred dollars or 200 bucks, whatever for a tax program to kind of plug in numbers. And eventually I'll just tell you what it is that you're getting back or how much you owe. Right. But yeah, once you get started, it's not that bad. Yeah. So congratulations on finishing that. Thank you. I think for me, my goals were to, I forget the exact numbers. I think it was like getting cardio in three times a week in the morning and Was it like working on some kind of side hustle? I would say that I'm at like 50%. I got out in the mornings a couple of times and I worked on some things that I want to see if I can get a a side hustle. I've done that a handful of times too. Nice. Yeah, over the last two weeks. How do you feel? Yeah, so actually that's probably why it goes into this contentment. I didn't feel great because I'm at 50%, but before we started recording, when I told you this, you said, oh, good job. That's pretty good. I'm like, oh, thanks, Sean.
1: I mean, that's a 100% increase from nothing.
0: That's true. It feels like I haven't really gained much anything, but it only has been a couple of weeks. Yeah.
1: I think all the time, it's really about trying to find the right perspective. I think that's a muscle to exercise mentally. And I say that because, you know, like my golf game, I improved 15% this week, but that's because I shot 118 the week before, you know, and so <laughs> shooting a hundred, like fantastic, right? But relative, let's say to like a month ago when I had shot like a 94, you know, a hundred would be terrible, but it's so crazy that everything is perspective and it's about how you frame it. That's definitely a muscle I've been trying to flex more lately is trying to put things into perspective because if I don't, then it causes me misery. And this actually ties into uh, something we talked about a couple episodes ago as well about comparisons. Like you can't not compare, but you can also choose what to compare and what to compare it to. I think that's a prime example of that. So if you compare your 50% to 0% three weeks ago, fantastic. If you compare it to what you had set as a goal, then it's miserable.
0: I like that comparison aspect. I was thinking about if you look at your day-to-day, like almost looking at your golf score, score score Like a hundred might feel bad compared to your last score. But if you zoom out and look at all scores combined, and for anyone that is trying to relate this to something, you can think about it as having, if you look at an individual day, maybe one day was kind of bad. Maybe you didn't get much done or you don't feel as satisfied with that day or you didn't get what you wanted to accomplish at work. And then if you zoom out over a week, Maybe it's actually pretty good. Maybe your overall week was good. Maybe you're showing your scores over a course of all the games that you've played. You're doing pretty well. Even if it is 118 one day, it's much better than 140 day score. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I mean, definitely have shot those when you're first learning to how to even swing a club. And so if you're looking at a day-to-day thing, maybe day-to-days are pretty rough. Some days are good. Some days are bad. And even in a grander scale, some weeks are good, some weeks are bad, but maybe the month is fine. It is about a lot of zooming out, and zooming in as necessary. For some
1: reason, I used to think that was, I felt like cheating. Like I'm cheating myself of ambition to like find a way to tell myself like it's okay. But I, I think for people or personalities who struggle with dissatisfaction, I think we're cursed with more or less wanting too much and not being content enough with what we have, not physically like having things, but like what we have achieved or how far we've come. If I were to think about you, you know, a year ago, I think this time last year, you weren't even thinking about a job in sales. I was doing nothing. Yeah, I could not. I wasn't even thinking about working at all. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and like when you, when you did, I remember very early on, we were to pull up those episodes somehow. And listen to you talk about it, you know, the excitement, like the, the purpose, like the goal, the the plan to build up sales skills. I think from a day-to-day, week-to-week, you may feel deeply unsatisfied because you're like, it doesn't feel like I've improved that much. But if we're to like, again, zoom out, like what you're saying, like compare yourself to like your sales skills last year that were on this time, you know, <laughs> like yeah. your cold calling skills, whatever you want to call it, like whatever skill sets you want to compare, right? That you've since gained i think there's a lot to be proud of there's a lot to be happy
0: about yeah i definitely well i had no skills in sales (laughs) or communication What, what do you think if we're to actually do like a zoomed out comparison what do you think you've gained i actually just had my review at work for last year oh or last quarter i have improved a lot the interesting thing about sales is that it is so numbers driven it's all these tiny metrics, right? Because you can measure everything. Whereas in operations, you can't measure as well. But when in sales, you can measure phone calls, you can measure voicemails, you can measure how long you're on the phone, how many meetings you've set, how many of your deals actually closed, how many people show up, how many people don't. And so it was interesting to see all of those metrics and also the scary part about sales is that you are compared to everyone else on the team. So you know exactly how you stand. And the hard part is trying to understand that this is, it's not for you to compare against somebody else to say like, oh, I wish I was as good as that person. I think it is in one way, but what you have to take away from it is, I would like to be better at this particular metric, like this coworker, but it's about what you can do to get there. Right. And then measure against yourself and how to improve your own numbers. I remember like us recording after your first week. Yeah, the first week I only made sixty phone calls. Right. And then the second week I made like two hundred, three hundred plus. I- I'm still averaging about anywhere from two fifty to three fifty now. Isn't that crazy? Yeah.
1: I remember you telling me the first week you're like, I, you know, made sixty, and I was like. You were like, uh, it already feels like so much. <laughs> yeah.
0: You're like, I don't know how these guys, these people do like 300, you know? Yeah, it was insane. Now I can do 60, no problem. Apparently I'm averaging like a little over five meetings a week, which is pretty good. The last few weeks I, I'm averaging maybe eight. I had two weeks where I had seven meetings in a row. Then I had nine the week after the third week. And last week I actually had 11.
1: Wow. Remember the days not too long ago when you could barely get one
0: a week? It's like, please God, anyone, (laughs) just agree to meet with me, please. (laughs) What's crazy about this is there are just some days where it still feels so hard. So, like, like I said, this past week I got eleven meetings, right? But I got four of them on Monday and five on Tuesday, and then only one on Wednesday, Thursday, and none on Friday. And it's just weird how even though you feel that you are doing well doing better a part of me just felt really bad that i couldn't get another one on friday or that i couldn't get another one on thursday you get I me mean? like that's when i was thinking more about this kind of zooming out
1: i think that's the the crux of what we wanted to talk about today was that no matter how far along you get in life or how many successes and failures you go through there's always a reason to be discontent, dissatisfied. And how do we combat that? Obviously, some ways that are often said is like, oh, you, know, you practice gratitude, right? Practice being grateful. I don't know about you, but it's easy to practice sometimes, but it's hard to practice most of the time. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know why. And it's like, is it because I'm not un, a fucking ungrateful person? <laughs> you know, like, or is it because of this constant struggle between feeling grateful? which is part of that is like feeling content, right? Feeling enough. And the opposing side of that is not feeling enough, which is tied to ambition and a score of other things. And it's just like constantly butting heads against each other, right? It's like, who's got control of my mind
0: today? Yeah, I like that question. Who's got control of my mind today?
1: It's something that I've been thinking a lot about and trying to be a little bit more deliberate about practicing is finding that contentment. And I find that contentment mostly by zooming out and saying like, okay, overall, like this year is great. I mean, there's some, a piece of news I want to share with our listeners. One is, you know, we started this podcast because we were both doing startup related things, right? Startups of ourselves and startups of of businesses. And at that time, we were working on Clever together too. But, you know, since then, Clever hasn't really gotten the traction that it needs to, to get to fundraise more. And so the team has decided to shut down Clever basically. Oof. Which is very unfortunate, which is very sad and uh, disappointing in many ways because I've had to make a bunch of calls to my investors, investors that invest, you know, my friends and family who invested in in Clever. And um, it was definitely easier than i had imagined, as with many things, right? <laughs> like I literally dreaded it for, I don't know, two, three weeks. I was like, fuck, I don't want to make these calls. Yeah. <laughs> but once like I started doing it, every conversation has been really easy. Everyone's understanding. Everybody invested knowing the risk anyway. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, they all invested in me personally, right? They didn't really know my founder. They didn't know the the project or what we, you know, really were working on. And even if they did, right, it's just like they knew it was going to change. And so they were all very magnanimous. They're very generous in how they responded. They were First off, very thankful and grateful, like thankful that I called them <laughs> to tell them personally, which I, I was kind of taken aback.
0: Really, that's surprising. You would think that everyone would do that,
1: right? I was like, wouldn't you expect everyone to do that? But maybe not, huh? You know, just like a breakup. Some people break up over text and email. <laughs> it's like,
0: <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> or, or ghosts, yeah, just disappear. Yeah, or ghosts. The second thing they would say is, you know, like these things happen. The important thing was that like, you know, you, you got to experience it and learn something and that felt good that everyone's so understanding. But that last part was also, would also sting a little bit sometimes because yeah, you paid for my education. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Thank you (laughs) for paying for my education. Granted, we are going to work on a full postmortem and we'll share it with our investors and whatnot so that, you know, they also get the learnings that we learned from which there were a lot. But still, it definitely didn't feel great, but it didn't feel that bad either afterwards. I wasn't like depressed about it. You know, this, this fortunately is my, I think like my eighth business. Right. So it's like I've, I've had to shut down companies before. Granted, none of them were investor backed. So it's, I didn't lose any investors' money. I just shut them down, but it was still hard because you, you got to let people go and that's never fun. Sorry to hear about that. Oh, thank you. There's some investors who like they're very well off, and their responses were just like, oh, cool. <laughs> and then, like, literally just moved on. It was just like, wow. I felt like the bigger the check they cut, the more they were like that. They're just like, oh, all right, that was uh, worth a shot. You know, you guys uh, tried your best. Wow. And, and on that note, I pushed myself to zoom out. I said, look, Sean, like, this is not your last project. Mm-hmm. Right. If you were to really sink low and then let this, you know, drag you down, then you would have actually failed your investors. Hmm. What can you do in the grand scheme of things? Like, what can you do and learn from this so that you can tackle something new and and you know bring them all back on board and bring them better returns next time around. And in addition to that, I, I thought you know. I'd I really try to zoom myself out because right now you know I'm trying to raise two young kids that's not also the most realistic thing is you know go gun ho on on a new project. But I was like you know I have a lifetime to work on startups as long as I don't die, right? <laughs> like I literally have a lifetime to continue trying new things, and that gave me a lot of hope. I have so many more years to fail and fail again until I succeed.
0: Yeah, I mean the the path to success is paved with failures.
1: It, it is true. The more you fail, the easier it gets. I mean, I remember the first time we failed and man, it, it was rough. Like the relationship was was tattered, you know, with my business partner. Like this time around, you know, Sergey and I we're like still really good friends. We chat about other things. We like <laughs> like the investor relationships are great. I'm still kind of reflecting on why this is, even though the company didn't work out, why everybody's so in great spirits.
0: Hmm. I'm sure there's, there'll be a takeaway from it as you reflect on it. it, it's such a recent thing, but thanks for sharing that. You know, what's interesting is if this happened last year, I feel like the mindset that you're at now is way different from the mindset from a year ago. Mm -hmm. And it would have been way more difficult to handle. And maybe even those investor phone calls, even though it went the exact same way, it would have, it could have been a lot more difficult.
1: I agree. I think I agree. Again, I don't know what's been going on inside my head because I, I haven't talked to a therapist since, I think, August. And, and part of the reason was because I, I felt like mentally like I was in a good place. And I was taking a lot of learnings from the books I was reading. I, I think if, if I were to recap kind of all the books that I read the past year, that really gave me a lot of wisdom. We read Loving What Is, beginning of the year, and ended up reading that book two and a half times. The Courage to Be Happy, Inner Engineering by Sakaru, Experiments in Truth. By Ram Das. I re
0: listened to Radical Acceptance again by Tara Brock. Yeah, that, that was a good book. Yeah. That, that might, might have been my favorite in that list so far. And then
1: the last one was The Art of Living by Tikhanya Han. And oh, sorry, there's one more book. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm halfway through it A Course in Miracles Made Easy by Alan Cohen. It's been a lot of self help or mindset setting books. I don't think I could quite sum up what the change is or the impact of of these books quite yet, but I I could talk about the feeling. The feeling is a feeling of calm, I guess, in many ways. I've definitely reduced my anxiety by butt loads. Oh, there there was one more, the book of joy by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. Last year, they came out with sort of a documentary of sorts where they, they shot a, a film of that meeting where they had those talks and it got written to the book. And Called Mission Joy, and it was free on YouTube for like a week or something when they first launched it. Pierre had sent it to me to watch, and of course, I didn't fucking watch it. Ended up paying like <laughs> five five bucks later to like watch it on Amazon. <laughs> but it was like all a combination of all these things. about I were to sum up, kind of the feeling that I that I have is that I don't I don't feel as anxious anymore, and I don't in my anxiety before. I think for most of my life was induced by related to this feeling that like time is running out or like I'm not using my time correctly. Like I should be doing more, more, and more with the time that I have right now. Like trying to squeeze the most amount of activities or things out of a day and then always feeling like I'm wasting time. Like I'm not doing enough with the time that I have. And it was just such a perpetual disease that I've always lived with. And my mom, I think she definitely told me this last year. And uh, when I got Bell's palsy, she was like, "You know, I, I think I might have, you know, raised you. I feel like they raised me very well." But there's one thing where she was like, "I think I did you a disservice by always rushing you to like get things done. You know, like yeah, I get this done now. Like don't wait, just do it now." And that's kind of how I lived. I always felt like everything needed to get done now, now, now. And to the point where like Mink would always yell at me for like, "All right, like if I." think of a thought or like have a question, like I got to fucking Google it while I'm driving, which is clearly not safe as a parent. And she like had to hammer that out. of me. it's like, stop doing that. Like that was my personality before. Like I couldn't, I like everything had to be done now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I kind of like that though. Okay. There's good and bad side to it. Maybe it's your way too extreme. Yeah. It was definitely extreme sense of urgency. That's the word I'm looking for.
1: It was extreme sense of urgency.
0: Yeah. Okay. There's definitely a good trait. Of having something to do and just taking care of it right away, but maybe on your side it's it's feeling anxious about it. And if it's sitting on the back burner, you're you're feeling the urgency. You're like, oh, I gotta take care of this now. But when it's really not as you know, you can wait five minutes. You can wait ten minutes. You're hitting it on the nail. You're
1: helping me realize this, which is that everything seemed urgent. Mm. Every little fucking thing that wasn't urgent, I made it urgent. I didn't have the ability to discern what was actually urgent and what's actually not urgent. And so everything on my to-do list felt like I needed to do, do it now. I just started repracticing the Eisenhower matrix of the whole like important, urgent, important, not urgent, so on and so forth, the quadrants. And I think that's what I realized this past year. So many things that I thought was urgent are actually not urgent. And by doing that, it not only helped me focus on what was urgent, which is not many things in life, actually. There are very few things in life that are actually that urgent, <laughs> but it reduced that anxiety. That's great. And by reducing that anxiety, it, I think it put me in a mental state where I was just like, take your time and do these things. Stop pushing yourself so hard. Success is not about what you get done today. Success is what you do slowly, little by little, every single day. It, it's that whole um, Bill Gates and somebody else said this as well, quote, right? It's just like... People tend to overestimate what they can accomplish in a day and and underestimate what they can accomplish in a year. That's the anxiety that I feel like a lot of people these days live with. They feel like they got to get so much done in a day, but then that anxiety ends up being detrimental. They don't end up getting that much done in a year because they're just like paralyzed every fucking day.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's the foundation of James Clear's Atomic Habits. It's it's the small steps that make huge impacts later. Right.
1: Bringing that all back to what you were talking about, the 50%, right, of what you've accomplished. Like you made small steps. Yeah, I did it. Can you be happy with that or can you be okay with that versus saying, well, I had set out to make 10 small steps. I only made five. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Actually, I don't remember Atomic Habits. I listened to it while I was at the gym, which is not the best idea.
0: I imagine that He would say to even make it even smaller, Mm. right? On the days that I missed going outside, what is the first step that I can even do to make it an easier step? Interesting. What he would say is, all right, instead of saying going out on a run, your new habit now is going to be go out on a walk. And then if you can't do that, to even break that down further, it would be, all right, you can't go on a walk. Fine. Get out of bed and put on gym clothes. Yeah. And go stand outside for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And if you can't even do that, get up out of bed and walk around your house. Like make it as simple and easy as possible. Interesting. That's his method of like atomic, why it's like small, breaking down something to even the smallest thing possible. And then making that into a habit and then building and going to the next step from there. That's interesting because I didn't even
1: realize this, but when I was trying to do the 1099s, that's actually what I did. Because even the 1099, one part of the tax work was just so tough. That's why it took me until the last fucking minute to do it, right? Yeah. But I literally broke it down to like, all right, collect everybody's emails. Yeah. Because I knew I needed the email. Collect everyone's social security number, address. And I put that into a table. It took me like three days to do that. And then like the next day it was like, all right, get everybody's like totals for the year. And then the third day, I put the two together and filed it. Yeah. But that's how I had to get it done. Like I did, it wasn't done in one sitting.
0: I think that's how most difficult tasks have to get done, especially if your task, right? If you have a priority list and one of your tasks is to file 1099 for 20 employees, right? Like that seems huge going back to the mountain in a molehill. That's true. That is a freaking mountain to climb to say, file taxes. But if you're able to break that down, like you just said, maybe the first step for anyone listening who's trying to file taxes, it's coming up, just find your W-2. And then the next say it's, did you make any other side income? Start to look into where that came from. Then it's, okay, well now look online. Where did you file last year versus where do you want to file this year? And then make it even simpler. If you can't even do that, I think the idea for creating a habit or even creating a task for you to take care of is that the task should feel so simple. You know, exactly what to do. Like, I think a lot of people make mistake of research taxes. Like, what does that mean? Right. Research X, Y, and Z. Like, what what is that? You have no idea. So it's got to be way more specific way more action oriented and you should be able to take that action without having to think about it.
1: Yeah. On that note, you just gave me an idea and a thought. I wonder how we can apply that to the practice of gratitude. I think about this because I wonder if I've been doing that like unknowingly to help me feel better and more satisfied with my day. Let me give you an example. Like telling me to practice gratitude, fucking impossible, (laughs) you know? There are definitely things you have to break down because the practice itself, I think for many people is not very easy. You can't just be like, oh, I'm thankful that the, uh, the sun is out. You know, like you have to find things that are meaningful,
0: right? It doesn't feel genuine sometimes.
1: Right. Right. So how do we make it feel genuine in smaller steps? And I'm trying to think like, what are the little things that I do? Some of them are like interacting with, with Miles, with my kids. Like when I'm in the car, Sometimes I'm just like listen to a book or music and I'll kind of zone out when I pick them up. I'm like, all right, I'll just put pause on. I'll just, I'll just like, look at them like, Hey, Hey, Miles. (laughs) Or like with Mink, like I'll look over at her and I'll like smile at her, like crack a stupid, you know, dad joke or something. And when I'm mostly by myself, I think I'll try to do something that day that I feel like I'll, I'll be happy with, like go to Costco or fold the laundry. I don't know. I've been trying to find joy in these little things that used to bug the shit out of me because I'm just like, dude, I'm not like producing, I'm not building a business, you know, I'm just doing laundry. But I'm starting to find joy in doing laundry these days. I have to do like four people's laundry (laughs) like twice a week.
0: Seems like you've already figured out the smaller things of gratitude.
1: Yeah. And I think that's that's what it is. It's just like instead of saying be grateful, it's just like, all right, why don't I just like appreciate? myself for the little things that I, I have to do. Instead of saying even in my head, I have to do this. Like I want to do this.
0: Maybe we can dig more into this next week. I have some thoughts on this. Gratitude is very really difficult for me for a long time. Yeah, Maybe even still now, I feel fake sometimes when I have to do it. Let's definitely explore that next week.
1: I like this because it, it is the one thing if I were to think back to all the books I listened, like what's changed? Why do I all of a sudden feel like, It's not that I feel this. I still feel down. I still feel upset. I still feel like depressed sometimes, but it's like, how do I course correct? Like, how do I pull myself out of it
0: consistently? And I think it's a mix of being in the moment and being a watcher of your thoughts and a controller of your reactions to it. Yeah. The combination of those three is what kind of makes up gratitude as I'm trying to learn how to do this on my own. I like that. We'll leave that cliffhanger for uh, next week. <laughs> yeah. Is this the first time we've done something like that? No. Leaving a cliffhanger? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned next week.
1: Awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone. Oh, yeah. The other thing is we might launch a, a newsletter. So if you're interested, I, I think we're going to reset up the website to collect people's emails. I'll figure something like that out. But I, th- I really want to, I've been saying this, I think through multiple episodes, I want to write more. Initially, I was thinking like, oh, we'll like start a blog. I was like, damn, that's way too hard to manage and organize a blog and have to redo the website. I'd rather just have a landing page where just like give us your email and we'll just show up in your your, your inbox once a month or something. So
0: something new to think about.
1: Thanks for tuning in.
0: See you all next week.